There we go. Today's reading is a reading from the letter of Paul to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Why do you go to church? This question was asked of me in a spiritual formation group for mothers that I was part of in the early 2000s. I wasn't running it. In fact, it was almost a decade before I would even go to divinity school. I was one of the mothers. Make no mistake, publicly talking about my faith was way out of my comfort zone at the time when this prompt was uttered, and I quietly buried my nose and my coffee and waited to see what others were going to say before I spoke. I was really nervous. Everyone's answer was plain and simple. Several people pointed to finding out more about their faith, how to access it, how to practice it, how to embrace it as an adult. Some had never had a faith tradition, and this was the closest thing they'd ever had to organized religion. Others suggested that simply being part of a welcoming community of seekers kept them coming. And then my good friend Dee Dee said, I come for the peace that passes all understanding. Everyone stared at her and paused, not quite sure where she was going with this. And everyone's eyes were on her, and she said, You know, when the service is over, and they give the final blessing at dismissing, and they pray that the peace that passes all understanding may keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ, I come for that peace. Our table nodded in polite affirmation, and she continued... I get four kids under the age of seven to church every Sunday morning. Most weeks, I miss 90% of what goes on here. But when I hear those lines, it reminds me that I can experience peace here, even if it's only for that minute. And it's sometimes the only peace I experience all week. She was right. And she was bolder than I was. And ever since then, I've treasured these lines about the peace that passes all understanding on a whole new level. It's deeply sentimental and spiritual all at the same time. They remind me of a good friend, and they remind me of joy. They remind me to take part in any peace I can get whenever and wherever I can get it. And they remind me why I am a person of faith and why I go to church. It's not surprising that I was happy when I saw that this reading from Philippians was one of the suggested readings for the third Sunday in Advent. And as Carter has talked about, the theme for this Advent Sunday is joy. And yes, we'll just lift that wonderful pink joy candle. And it's a beautiful ritual 
to mark that joy. In church lore and in theology, Advent is considered a penitential season. And we're reminded that even in a dark contemplative time, we must stop and recognize joy even on the darker parts of our journey. It's interesting to note that the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter wrote it while under house arrest. He didn't ask us to rejoice always and feel peace when things were going well for him. He wrote this at a time of distress, and he implores us to rejoice twice in the first line. And as Will and Carter shared with us our beautiful Advent wreath, the candle for joy is pink. It's different. Even the visual of the Advent wreath is not going to let us forget that stopping to feel joy is different. Yet one of the most important parts of joy is recognizing its relationship and interdependence with everything else in Advent, namely hope, peace, and love. These are not only the themes of Advent, but they're the pillars of our inner spiritual life. We work to strengthen them over the four weeks of Advent to welcome the coming of Jesus, who gives life to all at Christmas time. The lovely Advent wreath aside, peace, love, hope, and joy can sometimes seem elusive. I could go to a dictionary and give you definitions that might hint at what they are, but these are all spiritual attributes that are far too nuanced and personal to ever be described with words. They must be felt and experienced to be known. So in this week of joy, what is joy really? Can you explain it? Can you even hold the feeling? Can you sustain it? It's hard to do. But let's try. Was it falling in love? Was it eating pancakes? Was it seeing a stunning sunset? Was it laughing, maybe laughing so hard that you cried? Was it a great song whose every chord you felt in your body? Was it a puppy? Was it a personal or professional accomplishment? Was it seeing someone and greeting them after a long absence? It's all those things and more. But joy is more important than even the pink candle because it connects all the others. Because once we can recall joy, we can feel hope that we can feel joy again. Once we feel joy, we can find moments of peace where we rest and connect back to that joy. And when we feel love, we feel the very groundswell of joy. Spiritually, they all connect to each other, but joy is the home base that we keep seeking and striving for. The interconnection of joy to our many emotions in our inner life was wonderfully illustrated in Disney Pixar's 2015 movie, Inside Out. The movie goes inside the interplay of emotions in an 11-year-old's head. Well, it doesn't have the Advent themes of hope, peace, and joy, and love. It does highlight the interplay of joy to sadness, disgust, fear, and anger, the primary emotions for the 11-year-old protagonist. The movie makes our emotions into act- they made emotions into actual anthropomorphic figures that had animations and heads and and bodies, and they all interacted with each other. And it was a major part of the plot. 
No surprise, all the emotions were always trying to entreat Joy, the proverbial popular kid of the emotion characters. And Sadness was the Debbie Downer of that friend group. (laughs) Nobody wanted her at the party for fear she would ruin everything else. Joy and Sadness appear to be opposite characters, and Joy does her best through a lot of the movie to evade Sadness and the taint she brings to all memories and experiences these characters are trying to process for the 11-year-old girl. But without revealing any plot twists, and I do encourage you to watch the movie, people of all ages, I will tell you that a critical part of the movie is when Joy realizes that she needs Sadness and that they are more connected than any of the other characters. The movie suggests that joy can only come as a result of sadness, despair, fear, and loss. They all need each other to exist. Happiness is circumstantial, but joy is a connection, an experience, an innate feeling that helps reveal peace, reveal hope, and reveal love. In the words of brother David Steindl Rast, a Benedictine monk and a well-known contemplative, joy is the happiness that doesn't depend on what happens. It is the grateful response to the opportunity that life gives you at this moment. I may be one of the first people ever to use the Route 7 connector in Norwalk and joy in the same sentence, but here it goes. (laughs) Last summer, I was surfing a tsunami of stress and change at both home and work. An undercurrent of agita was my new normal. In the middle of one of the most frustrating, hot, humid weeks, I left to work for work with much in my mind and in my heart. Before the clock had even reached 8.30 a.m., my morning text had notified me of a pending programmatic change at work, a shipping delay on materials needed for a home project, and a canceled meeting. I drove to work, agitated, frustrated, and a little subdued, trying to check the facts, sort my emotions, while frantically dictating emails and texts to Siri to somehow mitigate some of these frustrations before the day began. I wasn't very successful. I turned onto the Route 7 connector, and as I clenched the wheel and shouted at Siri, I suddenly noticed a beautiful new varietal of purple wildflowers on the highway median that popped up overnight. I took this route every day and those wildflowers hadn't been there yesterday and they were brilliant and they were beautiful. I was simultaneously surprised and captivated. I stared at them. And embarrassingly, I actually missed the exit for the marriage <laughs> as I marveled at this astonishing discovery, and I had to circle around the Norwalk DMV to get back on the connector. I felt joy at the beauty and sheer surprise of these flowers that had not been there the day before. In the midst of my wide list of daily frustrations, my joy in that moment made the moment deep. Moreover, my joy was felt and reflected back to me in a bigger joy, a recurrent hope, and somehow a peace that is always there. Today is December 12th, and the summer is long past. The leaves are down, and most of nature takes on the hues of browns and gray. 
This is a particularly busy week for all of us, me included. And when my iPhone broke on Wednesday, it was about the last thing that I needed. I tried to feign the inconvenience and deny that I rely on my phone for many things. But that only made matters worse. With my best tech support fix, turning the phone repeatedly off and on, didn't work, I conceded to the unthinkable. I would need to go to the Genius Bar at the Apple Store. I didn't have time, but I didn't have a phone. I was able to get an appointment for Thursday at 2. And I rearranged my schedule and ran out of hope for iPhone salvation. And lo and behold, I went to my appointment and my phone was fixed with a new SIM card. Thanks be to God. As I raced back to work, relieved that my phone was fixed, but nervous about the work and appointments that were waiting for me, the anxiety bubbled up. As the worries raced in my mind and I drove on the Route 7 connector, anxious about my 75-minute detour to repair my phone, I spotted the place on the Route 7 median where the wildflowers had amazed me in July. They weren't there. They were brown seeds with no real sense of life and certainly none of the beauty that had captivated me in my summer craze. But I remembered how I felt when I saw purple. My spirit was warmed. I smiled. I even laughed. And I recalled the moment that I missed my exit and lingered in wonder that something so spontaneous, beautiful, and completely beyond my control could spring from the median of the Route 7 connector. The joy I felt last summer echoed right back at me. I'm happy to say that this time I didn't miss my exit, but I'm reminded again that joy can prevail. The stressors that ruined a summer morning were now as brown and lifeless as the flowers. But the echo of that joy was almost as vibrant as the moment I felt it. Where can you hear the echoes of joy? Where can you sense joy as the happiness that doesn't depend on what happens? Where can the experience of joy plant the seeds of hope? And where can that hope help you feel the peace that passes all understanding? Can you imagine what would change in the world if we all lived in every moment with that simple connection? Hold on to this, this Advent, as we welcome the Prince of Peace into our hearts and lives at Christmas, and as we use this season to know that joy is the center of both our faith and our human experience. Joy to the world. Amen. Amen. Amen.